I made this I made this song mostly to annoy the shit out of my girlfriend at the time because she <laughs> resented the hell out of Starcraft too. And um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I was actually in a all boys choir when I was like nine years old. So I've got some pipes. Um, I don't think you guys have heard me much, but um, so this is you got to imagine this is boys to men. I'll make love to you, but it's I'll play Starcraft too. If Andy says it's cool and I will not stop to the Zerglings pop. And uh, yeah, no, I was never in a boys choir. <laughs> well done. Well Bravo. done. Bravo, Jack. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome to Couch Co-op, a video game podcast. It's kind of like a book club, only for video game nerds. Today, we're here to discuss the adventures in StarCraft II with Dave and Jack here, but before we dive into that, fellas, what have you been playing lately? Dave? Uh, I've been playing Deathloop. Uh, I was able to acquire a PS5, and that is a game that it's only playable on a PS5 or PC, but yeah, so picked it up. Pretty fun game. Um, I got to say, I don't think it's a 10 out of 10. I'd say it's a 9 out of 10, but it, it's a damn fun game so far. But as we all know, that can change, you know, depends on how many bank heists they have. So how about you, Jack? I'm actually playing the same game. I uh, picked up Deathloop. It's one of the few games um, I'm happy to have paid a fair amount of money for because if I had gotten this game for free, I would have given up on it in the first couple hours. I was pretty down on it early on. Um, the only thing I was happy about was that Dave was able to piggyback off my purchase. But um, because I paid for it and because Dave was also playing it, I, I toughed it out to say, yeah, I'll give it a chance. And the game really opens up after the first couple hours um the two main characters in the game i think are just wonderful voice acting they they just have this fantastic rapport and it's funny and just well done and then the plot and and plot devices the story it all really opens up into like this cool um groundhog day-esque uh first person shooter a lot of personality a lot of different things to explore and uh yeah enjoying the game right on well for the second consecutive recording with you gentlemen i've been completely robbed by ps now in uh trying to play through a game that i was somewhat enjoying uh, i believe i had mentioned before that i was playing that near automata and that was recently pulled from the catalog so now i'm left with decision to make whether or not i'm going to purchase this title uh this is a game i've been thinking about playing for a very very long time and i'm definitely intrigued to continue to play it but i will be the first person to admit that it really hasn't gripped me uh despite putting in i would say probably about 15 hours now um i appreciate a lot of the gameplay elements but and maybe some of it too is a bit of the hades hangover because uh the speed 
of it definitely is hanging me up a bit. Um, it it certainly is a slower paced game in terms of action. I appreciate the action because it reminds me of kind of old space shooters. Like it almost has like a Gradius vibe to it when you're actually like in the middle of like a boss fight, uh, which is kind of neat for a game that seemingly looks like a hack and slash. But uh, there is also a part of me that is slightly concerned about going through and pulling the trigger and purchasing it because um, I do wonder if maybe some of the critical acclaim is just because of younger generations being introduced to the style of gameplay and just being really moved by it. But for me, being an old hat, kind of having seen so many of these elements in like games like Kingdom Hearts and like I said, Gradius for some of the combat, like I wonder like if I'll actually ever truly gain to it. So I, to be determined whether or not I purchase it, but um, yeah, that's where I'm hung up on. Uh, Jack, you played a little bit of this game before it was destroyed by forces of life. Um, what, what attracted you to jumping onto the game? I heard a lot of good things about it. And um, I really, really, that's what it came down to. It's just, it, it had so much um, so much good good vibrations coming from both uh, critics and hardcore video game audience that I just wanted to check out what all the hype was about. But I had a real similar experience to Matt where I enjoyed my time with it. I got about 15 hours in and then my disc got scratched and I really didn't regret having to put it down. It was kind of like, I was almost relieved that it just that I had an excuse not to, not to play it anymore. Um, Matt, you mentioned that the action is, is slow, but the narrative is also really slow. You talk about people who've played this game to the point where the, the people who truly appreciate this game and they're talking about multiple playthroughs. Um, I mean, I've, I've read direct quotes saying this game doesn't really get good until the third time you play it. <laughs> so, uh yeah, that's 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 probably why we're not getting into it as much. You know, time is a time is is of, of great value to both of us right now. So, um, yeah, that's an excellent point. And honestly, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I might go that same route where because I, I have I can tell you right now, I have zero desire to have to play through the, the plot and the narrative a second time through, let alone a third to experience all the cool elements of seeing how the endings change uh the biggest well, thing my, my understanding is it's and, and maybe i'm wrong i haven't experienced myself but the whole point of view changes from when you play the game over again and um it's more than just like endings it's it's actually um the story itself has a lot a lot of different um uh, elements yeah i i mean the, th the main thing that drew me to this game was, and I mentioned in a recording with Dave a long while back, was uh, this is the game where one of the endings is actually um, you're prompted to delete your save file in order to preserve some element of the story. But that's supposed to be like the way it concludes if you completely get the 100% completion on this game is that you basically have to commit to completely destroying your save file of all this data and all this time spent in the world and that's supposed to wrap it up in a nice little bow um and i just thought it was a wacky way of storytelling so you know i'm 
as we've always discussed, I'm big on the plots and, and that element of video games. So I was very intrigued to see where it went. And there, it's admirable. Like, I, I don't see any flaws with the plot. I just have played so many JRPGs and whatnot in my day that nothing about it is really gripping me at this moment to need to see how it progresses. All right, so it looks like we're ready to hop into the meat of it. So story time real quick for you folks at home, uh, Dave, Jack, and myself used to all work together in a restaurant way back when. And during that time, we had a nice little summer of StarCraft II where these two gentlemen were practically inseparable. Like we all would spend plenty of time hanging out, doing things, activities outside of work. But once this game dropped, it was practically impossible to get them out of their rooms just for obvious reasons. It's one of the best games ever made, apparently. But so we're here to discuss the adventures in StarCraft II with Jack and Dave. So gentlemen, take it away. Well, I think it's funny you think it was just three months because for me, it was it was a two to three year Odyssey based fun. <laughs> I was He's trying to save you. I was trying to save you there, but but go ahead and tell it how it is. I appreciate it. The single-handed greatest obstacle to one of my long-term relationships in my life. <laughs> the reason I probably never progressed any kind of real successful career. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I got deep shit bucket on this one. Uh, for for two years, it was. I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to watch football for fa fantasy football purposes or play a seventh or eighth hour of StarCraft two in and in on my day off. So, um, but a uh, huge, a huge reason that was is because, um, while I loved playing that game by myself and just how competitive it was, it was really the, uh, the team aspect with, with my running mate plum that really kind of, um, made that game special, uh, and really kind of solidified it as my as my favorite game of all time. Yeah, that was a uh, I'd say that was like an immense step. And as far as our gaming relationship goes, and how well we just kind of clicked after that, just because we uh, played a wonderful two v two game, you know, where we got up to uh, some pretty high levels regionally. Um, we ended a lot of games with cheese, but we had enough skill behind the the sheer amount of hours Jack put into 1v1. Um, and how high he got up was a testament to how well Jack understood that game. And having him as a partner um, was a very good thing for me um, because we were able to we were able to like discern roles. You know, so, you know, where in 2v2, you can link up your team's finances and unit controls. Um, I was pretty much able to act as like the financial engine while Jack really ran the production of the army. Um, I, I produced army units too and worked in conjunction with him, but most of the time, like he would just take my forces, you know, and he's like, I'm gonna go, do this, you know, or, hey, when these units come out, I need you to meet up with me and then take these units and do something. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a blast. And it was really hard to not 
meet up with Jack after work and be like, hey, man, do you want to get some StarCraft 2 down? You know, it'd be like, hell yeah, you know, or vice versa. So um, it was a blast, though. I mean, any time where you, you become successful because, like, you've got a good communication uh, relationship with your friend and he's talented enough to be able to do a lot of kind of crazy shit or, you know, know exactly what to do at the right time, like, it made it easy for me. So. So let's go back. Like, how did you gentlemen come across this title? Like, obviously, StarCraft won. That To me, I feel like that's a game I always overlook when I think about some of my favorite games of all time. But it should be a lot higher on my list because I had a damn good time playing that. Um, but I also was of the mindset where I couldn't become good at because all I ever wanted to do was build up a massive army of siege tanks and just, like, lay, literally lay siege to opponents slowly and plodding along bit by bit um whereas you guys seem to fully embrace the uh competitive nature and the hotkeys and and actually learning how to manufacture an army fast and and adapt your strategy based on your opponent's reaction so i guess what was it that drew you to this title uh so we a while ago a <laughs> a guy from um iowa picked up a job at the restaurant named Ryan and he's a pretty big PC gamer. Like that's his, that's just how he plays video games period is on PC. I don't think he's ever owned a console. Um, and we kind of just really got down with the idea that we could do a land game because I mean, during the winter around here, you know, going outside or whatnot like that just becomes sometimes more hassle than it's worth. So we uh, picked up a game called Warcraft 3 and we got into the real-time strategy aspect of it, especially once we learned how we could, you know, communicate at the same time by joining the same uh, VOIP, you know, app and, uh, and then getting into that. So we got into Warcraft and we thought it was fun and then I brought up Starcraft and uh, we all had a pretty big blast with that. And luckily, right around the corner, StarCraft II was coming out. So um, Ryan and I went up to GameStop at Northgate Mall and waited in line for like two hours at midnight and were able to pick up a copy while Jack uh, got a digital download like maybe a day later. But it was definitely something where uh, Ryan was pretty interested in it at first, and then he dropped off. I think he went to go play uh, Dota and uh jack and i just continued to plow through uh 2v2 yeah i remember we were real into starcraft and and i touched on this um on a previous a recent pod where i was talking about rts games were something i really got into as a kid but um there was a, a match me and dave played in starcraft that really kind of like was was the real catalyst for how how much i got back into it and it was this long narrow winding map on in starcraft one and we just had this heated battle where we were just trading shots and dropping dropping um uh doing airdrops and all of a sudden we're like 15 minutes into this game and we had swapped original bases and <laughs> And we were still like, it, there wasn't an advantage by either of us. It was like, we had just fought this 
bloody battle. And <laughs> then I found myself sitting where he had started and he was where I was. And <laughs> we just continued to that. I don't remember who won that game, but um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And um, when Starcraft two came out, it was like just everything they had done right in the first, it was, it was more complicated. There were more options. It felt, um, just felt like they had really worked on balance issues. A lot of Starcraft one, especially in the online community had gotten to this point where it was basically just this huge boss rush. Um, you basically would start the game off and you just immediately have people streaming out and attacking everyone. And that, and that's how the game would work. But Starcraft two, um, they really had more options for like blocking off your base and, um, and just so many different strategies. One of the reasons I really love that game is that I, I could play a random and um, I would be one of the three different races, the Terran, Protoss, or Zerg. And then between those rate between those three different um, races, there was like four or five different styles you could play within those. So, so many different permutations of where a game would go. And it just always kept it interesting, no matter how many how many games I played. And then the fact that we were also playing one v one, two v two, three v three, you just add all the different play styles within that, and it just made for incredibly, um, just a lot of a lot of di different types of gameplay. Um, I really so the first StarCraft game you had to uh, select ASCV and click it on a mineral patch and then click on the next one, you know? So um, that was something that was at the time acceptable because that's just the, how StarCraft worked. But StarCraft II, it was much easier. You could, you could highlight all of them, click them on a mineral patch and then they would uh, uh, dispense themselves equally you know, and in the most optimal situation for the most part. So I think it was the um, bump up in gameplay and the way that you were able to manipulate your armies uh, a bit easier. Um, and then also the models for me, <laughs> it sounds cheesy and really like superficial, but uh, I just love the 3D interpretations of everything and how dynamic they were. Um, from what I understand, the pros can get a really good idea about what kind of add-on is being built just based on the animations. Like, so, you know, certain things look differently when they're being created and scouting is one of probably the most important aspects of that game. So being able to recognize what your opponent is doing, like as soon as they do it, gives you uh, just enough time to be able to counter it or figure out a way to do it. So, I mean, I think that was something that really um, pulled me into the game alongside being able to play with my friends, you know? So did you have any experience with the game, Matt? No, not at all, actually. Um, I wasn't playing a lot of games that, and by that point, and honestly, you, you two gentlemen got so into it that terrified the hell out of me. Um, for for all the right reasons like i would have gotten sucked right into it too like it just looked like a damn good time and uh i just wasn't in a position to be able to commit to it uh at that period in life but um one thing actually 
by that virtue of discussing that, that was interesting to me was that was my first exposure to seeing both of you guys uh, at various different points of like hanging out with you separately, actually putting in time and, and research for a game and like, not like just kind of like watching a casual clip, like actually watching like a pro in action or watching like tournament vids and all. And that, that was really fascinating to me because I had never really taken a game that seriously or been around people who had. So like, what was that experience for you? Was that your first time like really getting into a game to that level where you were looking to pick up tips in that matter? Or was that just timing? Cause we're all old men that the internet was getting better and it, these types of clips were more accessible. Well, I think it's kind of interesting because I remember around that time flipping on ESPN and they would have the world championship of Madden and Madden was a game I played for seven or eight years and one of my favorite games of all time. And I always just thought it was like really funny and stupid that they would show these on TV. And so the fact that I ended up watching so much StarCraft II media really just, it just says a lot about how addicted and obsessed I was with that game. And, and to this day, I don't really watch gameplay video game. Um, uh, watched a little bit of Slay the Spire recently, picking up skills, like you said, tips. It's probably the, it's probably the only other game I've ever done that with. But to this day, um, every now and then when me and Plummer are winding down after a big night of drinking, like when we're in that last stage before exhaustion claims us, we'll like flip on some Starcraft two, like championship rounds. I mean, we haven't, we haven't played the game for, um, seven or eight years and, um, we still, we still can get in, get into it. And, and Dave would be like, Oh, you gotta watch this part. Like, this is where he pulls this crazy maneuver, you know, like, Oh wow. I can't believe he did that. You know? And I'll be like, Oh, and, and, looks like they really changed some of these balance things they would be like yeah well this now there's this new unit that'll and i haven't played seven years and i'm still like actively listening and entertained by this new unit that i never played as and i don't know it 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 says something about the lasting legacy of that game um i gave it up for good reason it it just it had to be done <laughs> but but I'll, I'll never lose my appreciation for for and, and respect for it um i so i gotta be clear we played wings of liberty which was the first of a, a three-stage uh development for the game so the game's like complete now that the third aspect to it which was the protoss story and the zerg story being the the second aspect to the game is why there's now it's almost a completely different game from the one we started. I mean, maybe not within the first like six or seven minutes of the game, but definitely once it gets into the mid game, um, there'd be just a lot of stuff we don't recognize. And uh, I, I got a lot of my interest into watching a YouTube channel by a content creator named Day9, who's still pretty active, but just not in the StarCraft II scene. He was pretty active in StarCraft scene transitioned over did a bunch of guides about efficiency and learning how to hotkey units and that kind of stuff and that really helped um with with our gameplay but i i want to say it wasn't that that really kind of propelled us it was the fact that we would uh 
after like two or three games or maybe after a really intense game or even a really good one, we would save the game and then one or the other person would go over to the other person's place and we would sit down and watch the replay, you know, and act actively discuss like what went really right for us and really wrong for them or what we got lucky on or <laughs> or what I shouldn't have rage quit at that time because <laughs> we're in a much better spot. So, I mean, that that's what really was like the big things because there'd also be the really cool games, you know, where we would get ramped up on and probably buy us another two or three hours of playing, you know, just, just like in golf, you know, where it's like, hey, you got one club that you're good at you know, and you can swing it pretty well and you get a good shot on it. It kind of makes you want to play some more, you know, because you, you think you have a chance. Well, <laughs> StarCraft 2, we had a pretty solid chance in the same scenario. And I, I, I feel like that was really attributed to the fact that, you know, like one of us would we'd meet up after the match and sit down and be like, hey, you know, hey, this is a, a good idea or hey, let's try executing this later on or try this before you try that you know so um it was pretty sick it was a good time yeah um and, and the reason i think we got so invested in that learning process is my favorite aspect of starcraft 2 is is the competitive balance and, and that they the developers were just constantly tweaking little things to change up the gameplay but to keep everything keep everything on an even playing level. And, and one of the things I really hate about competitive gaming is the fact that not everybody starts off on the same level. I mean, you look at when sports games is people are playing as different teams. And so you'll always have, you'll always have different levels and in first person shooters, typically uh, there's people who've leveled up, but in Starcraft two, the, the game was always built around everybody starts off on the exact same level playing field. And because the ladder system that they use was so, um, was so well done, unless you were playing at like a really weird time at night or something, you would almost always go up against people of competitive skill levels. So you just didn't have this like big spectrum of crappy to amazing games. It was, it was just like consistently good competition um, and sometimes you go on a tear where you'd win like six or seven in a row and then you get, you know, you start to sober up and start falling back down. <laughs> um, but, but that was what I always really loved about that, that I felt like I was, it was always like a true competition of, of skill and like who was the sharpest. And I mean, one of the things that was a little bit weird about it is, you know, we did play the majority of our play was on the ladder. So you're playing random people who don't really know what to expect. And therefore you can definitely take advantage of like really heavy aggression, which is what me and Dave did. We were, we were just, we had uh, four or five early builds that we would strike with. And, and Dave, we were also mic'd up. And yeah. We were mic'd up. A lot of people weren't. And we will, beyond being mic'd up, we shared our units, which even teams that were mic'd up didn't really share their units. So we would just come down with like a sledgehammer and, and typically we get a pretty early advantage early on. Um, and then, you know, we'd get up into like high, high diamond. And that's when we'd start to get kind of beat down by people who's, who's like really just had really good communication or, or 
a really high skill, but up until, up until we got into like that top six or seven percentile, um, we, we did work. And not only did I have that, but I also, um, on a single player, which I, I probably played more single player than I, than I ever played with Dave, just cause I was fully into that game. Um, I played a ton of ladder, but I also played with, um, this dude, lazy Toki who, um, Dave played a lot with, we played threes a lot with this guy and he was really good, but he would play me one-on-one. So I probably got a chance to play like somewhere between 50 and hundred one V one games with him. And over that time, it was just the, it was, it was knowing somebody that well and still having to kind of transition to the different, the different things they were bringing to the table, you know, like he, he knew I would like one thing. So he would counter me with this and then I'd have to adapt to that. And just that constant push pull, uh, was, was really invigorating. I hated one V one. So those so, micro skills, you, you were, you were a macro a macromaniac plum, but you never got those micro skills down. <laughs> no. So that's, 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 for me and, that's for me and plum shined is that um, he would give me control of the troops and he would really just build up and not have to focus on the battle. So he could really just streamline everything. And I was, I had enough experience that I, I could hold my base to a certain, uh, to a certain um, standard while still microing all these different armies. So you mentioned Diamond was the highest rank that you were achieving? Did that remain? Yeah. yeah. And the way that worked was um, Diamond was the top 20 percentile of players. And I did that. Uh, I, got, I got very high Diamond, both 1v1 and 2v2. But the top 2% of players were um grandmaster no master oh, ma- there's master. master yeah yeah and i could never crack that nut i got i got up to number i was ranked number one in platinum a number of times but i could never crack that nut um i did beat a master Wait, player diamond, once right? did you say you said platinum but did you mean diamond you were number one diamond for a while oh yeah before. okay okay Sorry. Well, was was it Oh, was was Diamond above Platinum? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We were we were in the the one before Master, so we were in the, and we were probably in the top five percentile because we were always ranked really high in in two v two. We got to number two rank regionally for Diamond. Okay. We we, we did fight off one, I think, a couple of times, and one kept pulling us off. But yeah. 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 That's when they we were started good against the five minute cheese. That's the problem. Like if yeah. you could, if you could like. <laughs> kick our uh, legs out from underneath us like before we could kick you like <laughs> that's pretty much it was, it was tough it was tough going <laughs> but um yeah what jack had said is um is really true like because he was able to keep him so busy because he was so good at understanding at when to attack or when not to attack and that was something I really struggled with because I'd be like, let's just go up the ramp now. And Jack's like, no, don't do it. You know, and, you know, sometimes good things would happen or bad things would happen. But um, it was, I still had a modicum of defense. I always played Terran. That was the thing about our game was that Jack could play random 
and I could play Terran. So even if we did run into players who were teamed up because we'd hate, oh, these guys are a team because we faced off against them four games ago. And Jack would be like, you know, a Toss one game, maybe a Terran one game, maybe a Zerg, you know. So he always kept opponents on their feet if they recognized us. And we had a clan name in front of us. So, I mean, it was pretty obvious who we were on that ladder. Um, but basically it was get to siege tank so I could defend my ramp and really punish anyone that, you know, may have gone after Jack and were smart enough to leave. And um, yeah, and then so they would come down and just walk into my siege tanks. So um, even if like the opponent came after me, they still had a rough time. And generally at that point, Jack had probably done enough damage to the other player to really set them back as far as how their letter, how their, I guess, their plan of escalation is gonna go. Um, but we did have some pretty good situations in the sense that like if we got in a mid game or late game, um, I was really, really uh, conscientious of getting upgrades, getting all my stuff, getting, uh, we found out that a Terran's healing unit, which um, is a flying vehicle and just kind of locks onto a unit, uh, could also lock onto his units too. So, you know, our, our initial strategy was usually a Marine Roach push, but if I was able to get some healing units out at a good time, at the right time, like attaching one of those to a Roach is, is just, it's unfair. It's unfair because, I mean, that thing is a tank of a unit that dishes out a lot of damage, but now um, whatever minuscule damage you're doing to it is being healed. But the nice thing about that was, like, you couldn't rely on that strategy because it was all based around what your opponent transi transitioned into. So, yeah, that was an uber-powerful combo against certain things, but because there's so many different pathways you can go in StarCraft 2, it would, it would be something we'd only use like one in every seven or eight matches. Um, so it, it, didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't like a boring strategy where you just did the same thing over and over again. We did have, you know, we did have a fairly standard, I think it was like a seven minute push or something. Uh, wasn't really, you can't really call it cheese, but it was definitely like, it was early aggression and the fact that we were able to combine our armies was just very overwhelming powerful. yeah it was um, very concentrated amount of damage and yeah, yeah. and it and usually won us a game pretty quick like sorry dave i'm, I'm, I'm going rogue and, and start throwing down protoss cannons or i'd hatch a bunch of zerglings and dave would be like what why didn't you tell me and I'm like i don't know i just just kind of happened <laughs> well it was it wasn't bad because I, you know, I'd just been so trained up that I still had to have an initial stage of defense at the beginning. You know, for me, you know, the biggest thing was, hey, get the ramp blocked off. So if a unit does come up, it, if it's doing damage, it's going to be damaging a building, which is going to take a while for it to, to actually do anything to. Um, and then you post up your siege tanks on the high ground. And that was one of the biggest strategies of StarCraft II. And even the first StarCraft was having the high ground usually gives you a better chance at winning the battle. Um, so siege tanks on a cliff are generally the thing that most units don't want to come up to when you're going to a ramp, right? So, um, and then on top of that, it would just be a mass production of barracks. 
uh, sometimes if a pro was watching my game, they would laugh at me because I had four engineering bays out, you know, on two base with four gases going, you know, <laughs> and like everything I could possibly upgrade is being upgraded. But I mean, that really showed up, you know, and our, the way our game style worked, that really showed up when my Marines kicked into like a 2-2 or even a 3-3 at times, because sometimes the other opponent is maybe hitting 1-1 one, one by the time or 2-2 two, two by the time I get to 3-3. Three, three, it was so quick about it. And, and the thing is, like, <laughs> with my mass production strategy, I was often left with a glut of minerals and resources. And I'm passing it on to Jack here. He's got something to say. Oh, I'm just – you bring me back because when you, when you start talking about the siege tanks, because I would always control the armies. But you – I mean, you knew a lot about – how to how to wage war with Terran and all the time what would be happening is we'd be like we'd be in this heated battle there'd be all these different fronts going on we, we're talking late game where you're really fighting all these different areas of the map while I'm simultaneously trying to run my base and I would sometimes park like my siege tank somewhere where Fulmer would not approve <laughs> and like I in my mind I had a plan I was like all right I'm gonna do this this and this but the plan wasn't good enough for Plumber, but he wouldn't say anything. So like all of a sudden I'd be like, all right, it's time to go. And my like siege tanks would start moving the other direction as he like took them and started moving them. I'm like, what the fuck? Like we would start like shouting at each other sometimes, like super heated, just like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to. <laughs> it, was, it was just really, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was really fun. Um, and then, um, <laughs> yeah i don't know i just i just remember those moments when all of a sudden your your tanks would start moving because you didn't do it with a lot of units but but the siege tanks you would definitely jump in and be like hell no he's he's got them sieged up in the wrong spot so you'd start moving them and i get all i get all aggro because you know you were interfering with my my plans and <laughs> it was pretty fun i mean sometimes i'd save the day um we'd be at like a game's end you know and jack wouldn't be jack, jack was really someone that said like we don't have much of a chance we should quit he would when he knew there was no chance um and that was not that often uh, most times jack would prefer to really drag it out as far as possible but um there'd be the occasional moment where jack's like oh, okay we we just took a big hit um I don't know. I don't have a new base. I'll try and get a new base going. He'd be like, Dave, what do you have? It's like, uh, I got about nine battle cruisers, and the 10th one's about to pop out. And Jack would be like, what? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, man, I just, you know, like, <laughs> I, I had all this extra stuff. So this is what I, you know, I felt like was good. He's like, like you, you need to control A those to the other side of the map. And then we'd usually win because the opposing team that got probably chewed up just as bad as Jack got chewed up by two guys. Um, but all of a sudden see this flotilla of death just <laughs> floating above them. And, you know, sometimes we just get a GG upon them entering the screen, you know, but. Um, After me for like 10 minutes wondering why we we're getting our ass kicked, like, oh, I've done everything right. What the hell? <laughs> he was like, oh yeah. And I forget to mention I got 4,000 minerals and 3,000 gas and an army over here. <laughs> Well, you know, my, my role was just to like produce. So like one of my big things was like, Hey, just keep expanding bases, just keep getting resources, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, that was definitely one of the things that I think uh, works so well about our strategy that Jack was skilled and cunning enough to be able to handle the first 
half of the game. And then sometimes the mass production on my side would help be able to uh, propel us, maybe even to be a superior opponent just because we were mic'd up, sharing units, and then kind of, like I said, had definitive roles, you know, well, and, and, and just the sledgehammer effect of having those, those big armies um, not, and being completely in tandem. So we didn't have quite the, um, the multi-strike capabilities of teams, uh, other teams that would send like all these like tiny little attacks. But I was skilled enough that I could do two main attacks while also doing like a third, um, like flanking drop off kind of thing. So I, I could usually handle like three battlefields at the same time while still maintaining my base to some some degree, and um, and and they were just really powerful attacks because um, because they were completely coordinated with one person behind both armies unless dave started stealing my my tanks <laughs> or held back his battle cruisers <laughs> so uh, i think i already know the answer to this question but any experience with the campaign in the game uh yeah i i played through the entire campaign i think before i really delved into multiplayer just because i knew it would be a good lesson on what to do and what not to do I don't, I don't think Jack did, though. I think Jack I played think a little bit and then jumped into 1v1. I don't think I ever touched the campaign. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think I played one mission. <laughs> Favorite game of all time. It's just. I nope. think that, that makes sense based on my own experience with the first game and just the play styles you're describing because the campaign is definitely much more conducive to kind of the hoarding nature of what Dave's describing of just like, stripping all the resources and building up a massive army and just kind of waging war throughout you know the map versus the actual skills that i at least in the first one i remember that were required to win really were just how quickly you could produce units and get them out there um you know or create a defense as quickly as possible i remember that was another strategy of just like how quickly you for a tear and build a barracks and you know fill it in the proper areas in order to where wage off that siege that's inevitably coming um so jack i, I we know dave played Terran. what was your favorite race to play as uh i like i said i really just like the random um nature because especially 1v1 i would just play so many different styles i mean i play you know 12 to 15 games in a night um and one game I'd go complete cheese and the next game I wouldn't consider build, you know, even early aggression, I would just be complete macro and just all the different styles that you could do based on that. The game never got old. And, um, I mean, this, the like slow build and the kind of intellectual way that the, the macro game worked in one V one, would all of a sudden i'd be like yeah I, that was a really fun 45 minute game now let's get this like drug rush of like 12 minutes just like freaking trying to do some bullshit to this guy and have him start talking mad shit like you cheesy motherfucker you know <laughs> like as i'm as i'm dropping cannons in this base you know and um just having those those two options at my disposal with three different uh three different um races was that was where it was at. I would say 
as far as um, well, since I always played Terran, it was which race did I feel like was the best for me when Jack was playing random was usually Zerg. Um, whenever he was Zerg, I felt like we had a much better shot <clears throat> at winning, and it wasn't because that he wasn't any less efficient at the other races. I just think Zerg and Terran is a pretty good mix of overwhelming, like smaller units, and then also some pretty mid-level chunky units, um, like the Siege Tank and the Roaches, you know, so that think, was... Yeah, I think the Roach-Marine Marauder combo is just a really, like, naturally the timing of where all those things reach, like, their seven-minute pinnacle is by far the best, um, or at least the most hard-hitting, um, as Dave was saying. Whereas whereas the others, um, when I was Terran, it would, it would only be like one kind of unit, uh, race unit that they would have to, you know, engage with. So it'd be easier to kind of, to, to counter that. And Protoss, the, the timing for when they get really, uh, have that really strong, um, um, unit pop just didn't quite line up with the Terran quite as well. Yeah, so it, it allowed us uh, some pretty quick victories. And I would say a good, I would say a good portion of those victories is um, we would take out one team, one of the teammates, like say the North base, and the other one would quit usually right afterwards. Uh, we do have an infamous game where we, <laughs> We smashed one guy, and uh, what ends up happening is that guy gets all access to the his teammates' resources and units, so he can ba he basically has two separate teams. Um, so <laughs> we destroyed one guy, thinking, okay, now we can just like really build up and come at this guy with a bigger hammer, and that didn't end up being the case. The guy took what we didn't destroy out of his opponent's stuff, built it back up and then uh, wrestled us to the very end where um, I think we won, but it was still one of those, I, I don't know, uh, Jack might know he's gonna speak up when I finish saying that, uh, yeah, that, that really sticks out in my head. That was a game where I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> it was like, or who is this person? That's what I should say. I remember that happening a number of times and, and usually we would win, but, but there was a couple of times we, we ended up losing to to a guy who just was clearly better than us and, and just was like <laughs> f your cheesy bs i've now got two two armies two bases and i will fight both of you at the same time <laughs> uh yeah so i mean uh, matt's played a lot of um uh, tech mobile back in the day i'm pretty sure of it and there's i mean i think we all have there's no greater thing than picking the play when you're on the defense and just watching like that O-line melt and then all your defenders just dogpiling this quarterback for like a 10-yard loss. And that StarCraft II was one of those games where that would happen occasionally um, where they just really were just rock, paper, scissors and they chose the wrong one. Um, so it meant for some exciting stuff. Um, and it made for, I think, a lot of really good just, uh, it sounds cheesy, but person-to-person -person communication, you know? Like, if you get up to Diamond, I feel like you got to be able to 
have moments where you can put up with your teammate moving the siege tanks, you know, or <laughs> or him holding back his battle cruisers or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, I would say like overall that <laughs> it was a pretty enjoyable experience. That's a really interesting point you bring up, though, uh, Dave, because that was kind of my again, I didn't play Starcraft, too, but just from observing the two of you play, um, that was kind of a neat progression. That was the first time I had ever seen a game where you both would be on the headset and actually like it was very comparable to the couch co-op experience I had playing games like sitting next to somebody on the couch. Like there had certainly been games with a microphone before but it was mainly like competitive, like sports games or first person shooters. And the only stuff you would ever hear on the mic were people either shit talking or just, you know, saying heinous stuff just to like, you know, irritate you. Like this is the first time like I ever like had ever seen people playing. And it was just kind of like half the time you could seemingly be just having a conversation while simultaneously managing all these units and doing that. And then clearly you'd have points where you're locked in and it's just, the conversation is a hundred percent just focused on strategy. So it was really cool to like, actually like see, like, it's like, Oh, this is a new phase in gaming that uh, again, I, I wasn't a part of, but being, you know, observing it in YouTube was, was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you probably saw a slightly different side of that. Cause it probably was a little bit more casual when you were around, but I remember just being locked in all the time. <laughs> like when that, like we would talk a lot between games but man, once that, once that, once those first uh, workers hit the mineral patch, it was, it was all business. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Dave, you it brought was... up something pretty cool. Um, and that's the kind of the, the rock, paper, scissors nature of the game where sometimes you just pick the wrong one, but, but one thing we haven't brought up and, and something that's so intricate and, and key to that, uh, the success in Starcraft is, is the scouting nature of the game and how you properly scout. Um, I guess you kind of touched on it, like how the pros know when you drop a certain building down based on the uh, visual, what exactly you're building. And um, I mean, I remember telling you, okay, like I need to know, I need you to drop a scan on his base now. And then, or sometimes you would be like, Hey, I saw something happening here. Check this out. And then you'd scan because you were the Terran. I want to throw into our thousands of listeners that on the mini map, you can ping a spot and that that shows up for your teammate as well. You know, so what Jack is talking about is he would ping a spot on a mini map. And as a Terran, one of your abilities is to be able to, to use up a certain amount of energy off of your, I guess, we'll say your home base or, you know, your like base operations. Um, and it would expose whatever was underneath that scan. So, sorry, just wanted to jump that in. Oh, that was, I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, to be honest, I, I'd forgotten about that until you until you said it. And, and yeah, that whole pinging system, just having that extra level of communication. And um, I mean, it it very clearly was the difference between winning and losing a lot of times. I mean, if you catch when somebody's developing camouflage technology if, if you're completely caught off guard by some some camouflaged units you're you're probably done in that game but you shouldn't be done because the skilled players know when 
and how and where to to look at those proper points like okay he's got a gas at the four minute mark as opposed to the five minute mark that means he's researching earlier tech as opposed to building up his army and his and his and his uh economy and from there you're like well i better check back in because if i don't check back in he could be going tanks could be going camouflage you know all these different battle cruisers <laughs> or, or some of my favorites is uh i i just i would say i was on a, a much lower level skill level than jack as far as just a whole game knowledge and all that stuff and just technical operations of playing jack was right we were pretty quiet it was all business and it was me like <laughs> jack would watch the replays where you could see exactly where you're your thing is and most of my viewing was inside my base and very little outside of my base <laughs> and so one of the more common things is our opponent would be a protoss and start uh cannon rushing me and i wouldn't catch it until jack would scout and he would say something's weird here dave go check the southern part of your base or the either uh easternmost where you don't have vision and sure as shit, there would be like two or three fucking like cannon rushes. So um, I don't I don't recall the exact record of me versus cannon rush and how the game went. <laughs> but um, I, I know like Jack would usually have like a pretty calm head about it. He'd be like, this is what you need to do. Or sometimes he'd be like, you need to get your SCDs down there now. And I would jerk some back to keep mining. And we'd play that whole Laurel and Hardy thing out again where he's like no man you need all of them like or you took too many you know like that kind of thing you know and it was, it was just, he's so he's trying to manage me now on top of managing like maybe him getting ready to go attack an opponent or something like that but um there's there's moments where we got cheesed and i think i just got better at setting up a block at my ramp or looking out for that stuff eventually but that was just i can recall that on my mind happening a few times <laughs> someone's building a base in my base you know it's not appreciated so <laughs> yeah man i i wish i had access to a lot of our old videos that would be really cool to go back and like see some of the ones because it was always like there was like three videos i would save i'd be i'd save the really fun ones i'd save the um the the ones that really kind of like we could learn stuff from and I'd say the ones that Dave would quit too early so I could, so I could give him shit. <laughs> Especially when I would, well, it, it only happened once, but one time when Dave quit and I, <laughs> after declaring it was over and I took over, I took over both bases and I'm winning after like a half an hour. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, we discussed that. Matt can find and he can throw the he can throw the podcast in with the time link and the hyperlink on the bottom of this yeah. this posting. But I I had a lot of fun with that game and the cool thing about it too was that it was brand new and it was an extension of this mega popular event for C PC gaming and there's some other people into it and I recall. Um, an employee at work challenging me to one-on-one -on -one because we're both kind of along that super crappy like stage level but we're both really into like uh, us beating the other one so is what I did is um, he brought his computer over and he posted up in Jack's apartment and <clears throat> we hooked the screen up to a tv 
or he had his monitor, but we mirrored it on a TV and I did the same. And then there was uh, two groups of people that split up in the apartments. It was like team David and, and team uh, <laughs> uh, Taylor, Tyler. I think it was Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. And we both had a Bronze League Heroes 1v1 match, you know, and it was it was pretty fun because you would... <laughs> <Hella> fun. <laughs> um, I can't recall who won. I think I won only because I think I just had some more dirtier tactics. I think I recall winning because I had a cloaked uh, uh, air-to-ground ship that just ended up doing stuff. But anyways, it was a blast. And, you know... Not only did we have a uh, dirty Toki, wait, that wasn't his name, was it? Lazy, Lazy Toki, and uh, our friend Dennis played too. You know who you know was on our podcast. He liked playing that game from time to time. So um, I think at the time it was uh, something that was not hyper common, but common enough for not only for us to enjoy, but for other people to enjoy. You know, and I'm pretty sure we talked to Taylor about the game and talking to Dennis about the game and. Lazy Tokyo was a pretty good player by himself as well, you know, so I at times would sometimes be able to spectate their 1v1s, you know, which would be a fun like 15 minute. I'd just, you know, post up and kind of see who's doing what and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that that time you came over and, and played Taylor was was pretty fun because a lot of people came over and none of them not, I shouldn't say none of them, but the the clear majority of the people who came over to to do this didn't play StarCraft two at all, and a lot of them weren't even into video games. But like we just hyped you guys had just talked all this shit and just hyped it up to the point that like all of our you know all of our friends just wanted to experience the you know the the spectacle, and people were getting into it. I remember like Dan was sneaking chugs of wine in the in the bathroom, and then his girlfriend found out and started like berating him like why why you guys are were duking it out <laughs> it, was, it was it was a it was an event <laughs> yeah no you guys definitely ran the gamut with this one um where would you consider this on your top five of uh, video games dave oh man no pressure of all time um i'd say the overall experience has got to be uh, number one you know like uh the sheer appreciation of the game even though i didn't play 1v1 like playing 2v2 with jack was probably one of my favorite things about the whole experience and you know and just just the fact that we're excited to be like hey man like let's get off work and try this you know um let's try this out let's see if we can't kick down the door with you know free roaches and however marines you have or whatever so what about you jack top five it's number one for me and it's not close um it was just such perfect timing for where i was at my in my life you know um i had a lot of free time um that I could really get into this complex game and um, yeah, just everything about it resonated with, with the type of competition I like with the strategy um, with the community, with, you know, 
my my camaraderie with Dave and, and Lazy Toki. And there was a few others in there who I ended up playing quite a bit with. Um, yeah, hands down, number one game of all time. And I would be shocked if uh, when I'm looking back when I'm 70, I have any other answer. Um, I want to throw up that there's a testament to this game is the fact that um, AlphaGo trained an AI um, intellect to play the game pretty much from scratch. And is what they did is they released it onto the European ladder with a completely anonymous name and let it do its thing. And they put human-like um, nerves onto it because when they did some tests with some pro players, it was just so fast that um, most humans didn't have a chance. It, it could do things with the units that humans just physically would have to expend too much energy to do. So for a game to pretty much birth a, an AI intellect that can handle a game that's so complicated as StarCraft II is I think a testament to what um, you know, Blizzard did with that game. I do want to mention humans have a chance. One player uh, embarrassed the AI by just going super hard on a turtle. And from what I understand, the player kind of figured out that he was facing off against it. So <clears throat> all of his upgrades were like upgrade to his buildings. And then he built muscle turrets with like extended range. And so it's just like these techniques that don't get done on the ladder when it's human versus humans. You don't, you don't upgrade the range on your missile turrets <laughs> when you're playing another human. You upgrade, you know, like your attack capabilities of your attacking units. So um, I want to throw that that there's a chance for humanity is do something completely fucking weird <laughs> to the AI off. I was going to say so comes. when when the Terminator arrives, we know that we can blame Blizzard for it. <laughs> yeah. It just seems to be on brand. So, yeah, it, it wrecked humans, um, <clears throat> except for one dude <laughs> who just built enough missile turrets to, to keep it at bay, confuse the hell out of it. It's a pretty fuck amazing game to watch. It didn't know what to do. But um, yeah, StarCraft 2 is pretty amazing. And even when Jack had said he's glad he put it down when he did, had he not, I mean, I think that had been like a, a seven to eight year career playing in that game. And because of all the expansions that they had, <clears throat> me being a single player uh, campaign, like having played the campaign, I appreciated the CGI they put into it, the story. I mean, <clears throat> even to this day, I think the cinematics hold up you know, compared to a lot of modern games. So, I mean, that was one of Blizzard's strengths and, you know, they definitely polished it and showed it off on that one, so. All right, gentlemen, any last thoughts on StarCraft II, your favorite game of all time? Uh, nope, just Battle Cruisers operational. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Apologies to all the relationships I left behind. All right. Well, with that all being said, this has been Couch Co-op, a video game podcast, and this was the StarCraft II episode. Thank you so much for listening.
well i practiced that one a lot <laughs> got, got a lot of run got a lot of run with the with the lady 